0: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast
1: with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, welcome back once again. Yes, it's that time of the week, time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. How's it going, my man?
2: Doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. It's been a fantastic weekend. You know, we we got to go see the big rock show on Friday night. Man, that was a lot of fun.
2: It was a a whole lot of fun, and we had a... Gene Simmons uh, from circa 1976 was there.
1: Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Somebody won tickets to the Kiss Cruise. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, Big Rock Show was there. Yeah. It, it was a good time.
2: It was a real good time. Uh,
1: Eastside yeah, Gamblers. East Gamblers. That's that's really a good. band somebody might be uh, interested in checking out. They were really good.
2: Yeah, I talked to, to their singer, uh, who also tours with Tom Kiefer's band. He's the guitarist yeah. for Tom Kiefer. And uh, I'd asked, I was like, when are you going to get me some music so we can play it on the show? And he said they were just mastering their their CD. So, Good,
1: because so I've been kind of so. gathering for a first uh, new blood episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we need ready to, to do something like that.
2: An all fresh blood episode. That's
1: it, fresh blood.
2: But, um, yeah, so we're, you know, it's a little bit somber this weekend because uh, we found out on Friday, uh, October 10th, that uh, Jan Kuhneman passed away. Yeah. And uh, those of you that have been longtime listeners know that we interviewed Jan. Actually, I looked it up. It was last Friday it was february of 2012 yeah so it's about a year and a half ago
1: and you got to remember this was back when we you know were first kind of getting our feet wet doing this and uh, you know it was it was a time where the sound quality wasn't as good as it is now and i don't think the chemistry was quite what it is now and you know i don't think we had the confidence we didn't really know what we were doing back then too much but thankfully there were some people out there that were still cool enough to give us a chance to come on the show
2: yeah and you know and it was Jan was not you know w- was a wonderful person, and i I wrote it up on the show notes. I kind of did my own little memory of her, but you know, we could have just done dedicated this week's episode and gone with another theme. but you know Jan really kind of left her mark on us. We you know, we were like Aaron said, we were basically just getting our feet wet. This was episode twenty three yeah, and um you know she gave us over an hour of her time and was very forthcoming, open. You know, answered all of our questions.
1: Really you know, was was an open book, yeah, you know. Yeah, rolled it with, some, cool.
2: with some odd questions from yeah. both of us. But um, a super nice person, and, you know, we we were really going to miss Jan. but She passed away, I guess, after a long battle with cancer. We didn't, you know, it was kind of a shock. We didn't know she was even right. sick. Right, yeah,
1: even through that whole interview back then, you know, and, and I'm assuming she knew back then because they said it was a long, a long drawn-out battle, battle with yeah. it that, you know, she... Still, during that interview, didn't you know cry about that or say you know oh I got this going on? And she was so upbeat and yeah. so positive about everything she was doing that you know there we there was no way we could have even known.
2: Yeah, so you know we just which thought, is a testament to her. It, yeah, she's a wonderful person, and uh, we're gonna miss her. And uh, you know I was looking forward to more music from her. You know, yeah, for sure. So, uh, but we didn't think of it. We thought it's a it, there's no more fitting tribute as far as we can do than to basically give you a replay of our conversation with her. Yeah, because uh, it does cover a lot of things. It covers Covers the beginning of Vixen when she brought the band to LA from Minneapolis. And, right, you know, Minnesota and they, girl. they struggled and, you know, they waitressed their way up and, you know, they had to appear in some really horrible movies and, right. you know, they worked their butts off to get to the top. And, you know, and then she also goes into the nineties where things were lean and, and then also the bands reunited. So you'll hear a lot of things, but. What, That's what, the thing
1: that I really, yeah. it was how open she was, yeah. you know, and we were just rapid firing questions at her, oh, yeah. and it seemed like, you know, back then we didn't really have much control or pace, you know, we yeah. just said, all right, we got a guess, let's go crazy. Yeah, and, and she played along so good with us.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the stories are entertaining, and I, those of you that haven't heard the show, and it's probably a lot of you, because like I said, we've grown a lot since episode 23. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you're hearing it for the first time, I hope you, the stories are good and entertaining, but uh, I hope you'll take it from it what we did. And that she was just a very thoughtful, caring, really nice person. Yes. You know, beautiful on the inside and the outside. Most so, definitely. So, uh, you know, this is our episode. We're just going to call it Jan and Rock in Peace. And uh, this is our talk. And uh, we'll see you next week with a new show. tried to do some research for this because i mean i i do remember you guys i obviously remember edge of a broken heart because that was during my my you know probably my early teen years when that came out and um i was totally into that whole scene at the time um Mm -hmm. but but going further back because what i read up on was that you formed the band yourself in saint paul in 1980 and then i've but i've read one report that you guys moved to that you moved to la in 81 or that vixen moved to la in 85 which one is that
0: Um, I, we were already out there in 81. That's what
2: I, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I got to
1: imagine, imagine the hard rock metal scene wasn't really happening in Minneapolis, St. Paul at that time. You know, everybody was on mass exodus to, mm -hmm. to LA to, you know, to be a part of that scene.
0: Exactly.
2: (laughs) And that would be right around the time Motley Crue was blowing up. Is that right?
0: Um... You're probably right about that. Although yeah. we were still so new to LA, mm-hmm. we probably weren't familiar with them till a little bit later on. As
1: well as crew was lucky. I mean, they were already there. You know, when mm-hmm. you talk about bands like yeah, Vixen coming really. in from Minneapolis and Poison coming in from from uh, Pennsylvania, even Enough's Enough coming in from Chicago. You know, bands like that. That you mm-hmm. know, if you're going to make it in that time, you know, you pretty much had to be in LA to do it. Yeah, so I know. Crew exactly. was lucky; they were already there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: really. I yeah, I mean we had to come out there and, you know, get waitressing jobs to
2: survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So. How, yeah, how how uh, how poor did it get on the on the way up? How how broke were you guys?
0: Oh, very broke. Yeah. Extremely broke, yes.
2: Okay. <laughs> so when you're
0: <laughs> in there were many... times when we were rolling pennies and then we'd go to the store and buy a baked potato oh. and some bread and yeah, oh yeah.
2: Yeah, because I've heard stories about like uh Blackie Lawless living in a like an abandoned warehouse burning wood in a in a in a barrel just to stay warm. I've heard of guys in hmm. poison living in these <laughs> warehouses and it's just like you know, depending on groupies to basically feed them. And oh, wow. it just it, it amazes me the links that the bands went to back in those days. I don't think you'll see too many bands these days trying to go to those links to make it anymore. No.
1: No, it's, right. <laughs> it's just not the same. So then when you guys were in Minnesota, you got—you must have had a pretty good following in order to give you the confidence to say, hey, we got to pick this up and pack it up and move it to L.A. Cause we can make it there. We're doing pretty good here, huh?
0: We did. We had a booking agent that was getting us work, and we started out by playing like around Minnesota. Then we branched out to the five-state area. Then I remember we were going down to South Carolina and Florida, and pretty soon this agency had us pretty much all over the country, and we knew that if we wanted to make a record or do any recording, I mean, well, we had done demos in Minneapolis, but if we wanted to make a serious record, we knew we had to go to L.A.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Or New York was a possibility, but it was, it was much more L.A., I think, for us, anyway. For oh, the we, scene
1: at that time, too, I think.
0: Yeah, it, but but we had played around, so... That we did get that experience, and we did have a good following, and the agency really helped us a lot.
2: Oh, okay. And in those early days, um, this is before the uh, the debut album came out, I, I found an interesting thing online, and I think I remember this from uh, the old Showtime and Cinemax days of growing up about this movie, Hard Bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where you guys performed, and please tell me this is a misprint, as a band called Diaper Rash? <laughs> nope. I'm sorry.
0: That's, that's the name they made us use in the movie. <laughs> wow.
1: I'm glad you yeah. stuck with Vixen. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think Vixen's a little bit better than that. But uh, And you he, he played this song called Mr. Cool. Is that really you guys playing? Yes. Yes?
0: <laughs> yes. It, it, absolutely.
2: How did you guys get tied up in this movie?
0: Well, a friend of ours who was an attorney, he worked at... Uh, I think it might have been MGM at the time, one of the one of the big studios. Uh-huh. And he got wind of this movie being made, Hard Bodies, and they needed a band. Yeah. And he was a friend of ours. He was a good friend of one of our first road crew from Minnesota. That's how we hooked up with this attorney. Mm. And we were doing some shows, we were we were living in LA and we were, you know, driving to wisconsin as a matter of fact nice. to play huh. shows in like the midwest and then we'd come back home to la we had a bus at that time and you know when he came up with this movie idea and and we already had some songs and we presented him, and they said yeah okay you know mm-hmm. we'll we'll use your songs for the movie and we were getting ready to go out on this tour in the midwest and it was like the night before we're going to go we still didn't know if we had the gig for the movie or not. And it was like, are we going to go? Do we have to stay and you know, you know, do something for the movie? And we found out right before we we're going to leave. Like, yes, yes, we're definitely in the movie, and so we were very excited. <laughs> and uh, but we did end up having to. <laughs> still play some shows and then come back and shoot some scenes, go back and play
2: some shows and come back and shoot the scenes. But
0: mm-hmm. it was all very fun and crazy. And, and,
2: and, your, glad we did it. and your review of Hard Bodies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny
2: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: Well I've never seen it I'm gonna have to look that up But I can imagine With a name like Hard Bodies <laughs> Oh yeah
2: it's, it, it's the pinnacle of acting I'll tell you how. Yeah Scotty my man What's going Hey these are Too fucking
3: much Out of fucking sight Hot fucking shit uh, I couldn't have said it better I couldn't have said it better I gotta go backstage And pump up one of the girls hey,
2: And uh. I so after watching, I watched the clip earlier this evening just to watch it, and um, I, I'm dying to have a a boogie till you puke shirt like the guy in the scene. Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, uh-huh. I just,
2: I had to find out the story behind that movie because I, there were so many interesting movies made around that time from that era. It screams 80s, but, uh, and I guess it was just a, a constant stream of gigging between around that time, between that and 88, when you guys got the, when you put the uh, debut album out.
0: Yes, we were making, we were finally, after we'd moved to LA, you know, and waitressed for a while, we were finally making a living playing all mm-hmm. over the country, so that was great. We were loving it, and all during that time, we were trying to record and make demos, and we were going for the record deal for quite a while, mm-hmm. and there were some member changes throughout that time, too, yeah. you know, there was a lot of stress, and... uh some people didn't didn't want to do that anymore. You know, a couple of the original girls and
1: were they all from Minnesota with you? They come out there, and some of them just couldn't hack oh, it. Or yes, yeah. the
0: original band. We all went out to L.A. from Minnesota. We were all best friends, and yes. And then one by one, unfortunately, you know, different things happened. Where you
3: know, well, I suppose had, it's that's a, not...
1: kind of a stressful situation where you you know you're really kind of taking a huge gamble by picking up and packing up and going to L.A you know, and then if things don't happen immediately, you know, some people get turned off by it and, and say, okay, well, this didn't happen as fast as I wanted it to. But that's a credit to you for sticking it out, you know, and, and really sticking to your guns and, and sticking with what you believed in to make it happen.
0: Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, it it wasn't easy because we, you know, with with my best friends, I mean, we were such a team. And then for, you know, any of them to leave, I mean, the first one was just so hard when the first girl left because of the pressure from a producer in the studio and it was just like oh no our dream our our dream team is not the same and then we you know would bring in a new person and then and then it happened again the lead singer who was also the bass player uh, Gail and she's actually the one that wrote that song mr. cool oh
3: yeah
0: um she got married and just decided that you know, it wasn't going to be right to keep on touring and playing while she was married. And so one by one, the original band was changing and it was very, it was very hard, but I was determined to keep it going because it was my dream to have the band, you know, record and be a success and keep going. Mm -hmm. So, but it was hard.
1: So what was that like? You got in the studio and then the producer said, you know, this girl isn't quite cutting it. You know, she's not a, you know, not, up to ex- my expectations, and gave her a hard time, and kind of like oh that. yeah, he yeah. gave us
0: all a hard time, and she just didn't like the pressure, couldn't <sighs> take it, or, as didn't want it as much as the rest of us did, and she's mm-hmm. just like yeah, I don't need that, <laughs> you know, and yeah, because now we're out in the big time, and you know, studio time is expensive, and right. you know, and then these L, L-, L- A people were you know
1: crazy right cuz i suppose in minnesota you're doing it pretty much on your own terms and like you said you know when you get involved with record companies and stuff all of a sudden you know your creative creativity gets taken and put into the side when they say this is what we want and this is what we expect
0: exactly you are exactly
1: right about that yes so how many of the original girls from minnesota made it through to be on that first album
0: i'm i'm the only original one on that first album
1: wow so everybody else kind of petered out and you stuck with it
0: yeah
3: So
1: then, how did, did they just assign you new band members then, or was it up to you to find new people? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, the, whatever band we had together and our manager, we, you know, like when the first girl left, we had to find somebody to replace her, so our manager and, and us, we auditioned many people, went through, I mean, you know, we were looking at the you know, musicians wanted and just mm-hmm. like scouring all of the musicians we could find. And let me tell you at that time, that long ago, there were not very many female musicians to pick from.
2: Right. I suppose not. Uh,
0: singers. Yes. There were, there we had, you know, many singers who auditioned to replace Gail, who was also the bass player when she left. Cause we had to fill two positions. Mm-hmm. We had to get a bass player and a lead singer when she left, and and um bass players not too many, but singers, yeah, lots of them, especially in California. But
2: there were there were plenty of guys that would have looked the part, though, right?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could have gone that route. You know. yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I think some of the guys were probably wearing more makeup than you were.
0: <laughs> that's true. That is true.
2: Well, that's either.
1: that's the way it was. You know, that was the scene at the time. You know, the glam rock mm-hmm. thing was really taken off. And, uh, you know, I just got to say, you know, your band was even prettier than Poison.
2: Yeah, which was quite a feat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, One time, I think we were in New York. We were walking down the street because, you know, in New York, that's what you do. You walk. Um, And somebody yelled out, Poison! (laughs) So they may have thought that,
2: you know, we were Poison.
1: Oh, wow. Yell back. (laughs) That's great. Tell them to take us on tour.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Well and on that on the original album or on the debut album with uh, Edge of a Broken Heart obviously written by and produced by Richard Marks, Now I read that this song was he they wanted him to write and produce this so you guys could compete with the Bangles. Did you guys really see that this way cuz I always saw that as other than being all girl bands I saw nothing similar between Not the two really, of them.
3: really
0: no. I've never heard that before. Where did you hear that?
2: Wikipedia, of course.
0: Oh, wow. No. <laughs> Um, we had completed recording the first album, or so we thought, and you know, just like you were saying a few minutes ago, the record company came in and said, oh no, we don't hear a single on there at all.
1: Isn't that a classic cliche? We don't hear a single. Yeah, Yeah.
0: we don't hear a first single, so your album is not finished, and we're like, oh, okay, (laughs) but they said, but they already had like release dates kind of lined up and, you know, things were already planned, and so, they wanted a hit single or a single, first single, immediately. So our manager, also was managing Richard Marks at the time, and Richard Marks you know, is a great songwriter. So yeah. our and manager that, went and to that Richard's was kind of said,
1: before he broke as a, as a solo artist, right?
0: Um, he, I don't, he had had some success. I, I don't know,
2: I think he was, How much? He was just getting going at that time, I think. Yeah, he after. was
0: probably just getting going at the same time, you know. And he was also on the same record label, and so our manager also wanted us on EMI, and it was EMI Manhattan at that time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, our manager called Richard up and said, Can you write Vixen a, a, a single, like, right away, like tonight, overnight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wow. Richard, of course, came up with one, and he also got feeway bill to work on it. With oh, him. the
2: tubes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, so then we went in and rehearsed it, learned it real fast, and the record company's like, yeah, that's it, that's it. So go in the studio and record it. And Richard, that must have been part part of his deal that he wanted to produce the song that he had written. Um so that's how it ended up. Yeah, because that Richard
1: Marks, man, he had a formula for hit after hit after yeah. hit for a right. while there back in right. the 80s. I mean, that guy, when it came to writing hit singles, you know, that were going to be radio friendly and, and get a lot of spins on MTV. Oh, you know, yeah, he had it under yep. control. Actually, I, like, I
0: know. So thank God our manager went to him for that song for us. <laughs>
2: I think he actually lives here in Nashville now, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Oh, yep. really? Yeah, I believe so. He could write songs for the rest of his life and be fine. Good. He, he could have one
0: for
1: us
2: tomorrow morning, <laughs> <And> apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can you tell him to give us a call? Hey, <laughs>
2: sure.
1: Vixen's ready for their next big hit single. We'll That's
2: have, right. We'll have the, the sequel. <laughs> 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 All
3: yeah.
2: right. Well, then in the '88 and '89, you. Um, you toured with Ozzy, Scorpions, and Bon Jovi. Is that correct? Uh,
0: we toured with Scorpions and Ozzy, and we did one uh, festival with Bon Jovi.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I gotta ask. I mean, I've been just dying to, the whole time when I thought about doing this interview. I've been dying to ask, what's it like for some, you know, for a young girl from Minnesota to all of a sudden be on tour with Ozzy?
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Offstage, he's a sweetheart. <laughs> and another thing. Um, my, my parents came to one of our shows, and I think it was either Nashville or Memphis. I oh, don't really. remember which one, with, when we were on tour with Ozzy. Mm-hmm. And my mom, to this day, she will pull out a picture of me and Ozzy that she took backstage because she's so proud. So, you know, <laughs> if, it sounds
2: like... If mom only a, knew.
0: <laughs> yeah, like she would have been, you know, maybe not...
1: She was a big not, Sabbath fan, right? a big what big sabbath fan
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly no no but um you know so ozzy backstage is you know a lot different than what people think he is on stage so you uh, always
1: hear the crazy stories of all the wild things that ozzy does i mean was there ever anything he did that just blew your mind that you know this is the ozzy of legend kind of a thing
0: um no, not not really.
1: Is that the I mean, the answer? Of I'm debating if I should really say this or not. <laughs> no,
0: no, uh, I I think he. I'm trying to remember now. We were watching off stage. We had already done our show, and um, I think he might have dumped water on the uh, <laughs> the uh, monitor guys or something. He did. He did something a little crazy one night. But, you know that's just part of his show.
2: Sure. And, uh, so no animal yeah. sacrifices or anything. Mm,
0: no, I don't think he was doing that on uh, the tour. We were.
2: <laughs> I'm really let down. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man!
1: It wasn't snorting no lines of ants or anything crazy like that. You know, because you, you hear you, like you read the Motley Crue book, you know, and yeah. he, he's doing all these insane things, you know. And I don't know if maybe he was a little toned down by that time, or if it's just all kind of legendary. Oh well, wait.
2: <laughs> This this will settle it right here. Was Sharon there? She was. That, yes. that, that's it. That's why.
1: <laughs> See, there you go. He was on his best yeah. behavior. Mama was watching.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just
1: just as we are with our wives. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're not here. <laughs>
2: uh huh. <laughs> he well, and then Rev it Up comes out after that. How, how was Rev it Up a more enjoyable experience than the, than the the debut? It was. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we had just one producer for the whole entire album of Revit Up, whereas the first album we had the three different sets of producers. You know, Richard Marks, um David Cole and Rick Nair were one team and then um um oh, what is his name? Spencer Proffer. Oh yeah uh, produced a few of our songs too.
2: Quiet Riots and, guy. Right, yeah. yeah.
0: So we we were at we recorded at his studio and he had a completely different way of recording than the David Cole, Rick Nair team, which you know, did the first part of it. So anyway, by Rev It Up, it was nice to just have one producer because it was more consistent, and also, uh, this producer on Rev It Up, Randy Nicholas, he allowed us a lot more freedom Mm -hmm. than the first record. You know, song wise just part-wise, everything, and so it was more relaxed, and I think we probably had a little more time, whereas the first record, the record company was on such a a strict budget and time budget as well, we were nervous wrecks going in there because it's like, okay, you get five minutes to do this take, and it's like, okay, you know, (laughs) wow.
2: Don't
1: make a
0: mistake. You know, the Rev It Up was a lot more relaxed than that.
1: Yeah. You got to always think about, too, with the, they call it the sophomore deal, you know, where you come out with that second album, you guys had a big hit single, you know, was there a lot of pressure at that time saying, hey, we've got to come back and we've got to come back with an even bigger single than we had the last time? I and mean, was there a lot of pressure with that?
0: Um, I think so, but we were so busy and doing so much pro- promo along with the recording and the writing of the album that we were just too busy to even... Recognized that that might have been what was going on, right? But of course, we wanted it ourselves to sure. be, you know, as good or as big as Edge of a Broken Heart, and uh, you know, there was some trouble with the record company. Um, how much love was the first single off of It Up,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and our manager was fighting with EMI and how much love was going up the charts and then all of a sudden it didn't get the promo that our manager was trying to get for it and it just kind of stalled and it was like wow you can just see how the politics and the business can just like really kill your career you know
1: I suppose I mean you can write the greatest song in the world but if you don't get the right push behind it you don't get the right backing on it you know it it might not go anywhere
0: and part of the reason, I think, was because, you know, somebody at EMI was pissed off at our manager, and they just like, well, we'll show you, kind of thing. You know, I mean, you know, I honestly think that that's what happened.
1: Well, you know, and that's the business and the politics of it, too. You know, like I said, you can write Stairway to Heaven, but if you, you know... If, <laughs> if nobody, if nobody, promotes nobody it. Hears, <laughs> Right, if nobody's out there to get, hear yeah. it. Exactly, exactly. Rubbing our last two else together.
0: <laughs> this is a Decibel Geek Podcast. Listen to the Decibel Geek podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your App Store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.
2: Hi, this is Chris Holmes Vodka bottle and you're listening to the Decibel Geek podcast. So then we go from then you go on tour and you do to um, so tour with Deep Purple and I remember you touring with Kiss on that
1: Hot in the Shade
2: tour. Yeah, uh, that was the uh, that was fun. Yeah, that
1: was I was gonna say it must have been pretty cool.
2: And I was oh
0: my gosh, we were like wow, we get to play with Kiss. That was <laughs> that was amazing. That was awesome. And yeah.
2: I I was highly let down because um, I saw that tour in Nashville and you guys weren't on that leg. And instead oh. of instead of getting to see you guys who looked nice, I had to look at Mark Slaughter and, <laughs> and deal with those guys the whole time. I mean Kiss was great of course, but um but yeah, so so was it pretty amazing getting to tour with those guys?
0: It was totally amazing. Yes. It was unbelievable. I wish it could have lasted longer. Yeah. But we had a blast and they treated us very nice, very well and respected us. And,
1: Gene Simmons yeah. wasn't trying to get in everybody's pants? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, you know, he was a
2: big flirt. Of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely a big flirt. Yeah.
2: And uh, obviously, with our connection to you from uh, Loretta, obviously you have good memories of Eric Carr from that time.
0: Yes, I absolutely have great memories of Eric.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He was a sweetheart. Yeah. Very sweet guy.
2: And uh, what was it like uh, touring with Deep Purple at that point?
0: Um, <laughs> that was that was fun too, and you know. They, let's see, they were pranksters. I remember on our last show, they <laughs> they did some, you know, pranks backstage and everything. But um, and that was in Europe, so it was it was different.
3: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, like when we toured with Kiss, it was in the, in the States, and we're we're familiar with all the places we're going. But touring with Deep Purple over in Europe, you know, we're going to some new places that we hadn't been to, and I mean that was exciting. But yet. It was just a whole different world, you know.
1: Were you guys getting good response in Europe?
0: Yes, yes, yes. We were very much, and Deep Purple treated us very well too. And because uh, I gotta reasons.
1: imagine at that point in time too, Deep Purple was a lot bigger in Europe than they would have been in the states at that time, right?
0: I think they were. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Europe seems a lot more loyal to what they like. Not that I'm
2: downing America, but. America's real flighty, it seems, with with rock and roll in general. I mean, because but, but Europe, that you know, if they like a band, they hold on to that. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true.
1: That's true. And,
2: and you know, I we just, noticed that too. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, even not even just Europe. I mean, just other countries in general. You know, yeah. even like they talk about Japan. Japan. You know, uh-huh. Japan. How big? You know, some bands are just. You know may have been years ago like you know and i hate to talk about like eras like say oh this band's from the 80s that band's a 90s band i don't like that you know i think a good band is a good band it doesn't matter where they came when they came out you know for example nobody you never ever never hear anybody say oh the beatles that's that's a 60s band you don't know nobody ever says that you know or zeppelin oh that's that's the 70s you know but then you get the whole stigma of oh that's an 80s band you know, all oh, that's right. that's from the eighties. You know, I always thought that was funny. Where to me, a good band is a good band, and it doesn't matter when they came out. But here in the yeah. states, it's kind of like that. Oh yeah, you know, it's yeah. very you know. S- uh, we con- wanna you know? we wanna tag everything with right. a label. Exactly, it's everything's yeah. very and, labeled.
0: And then they love you for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, you you know, you can't get arrested. <laughs> it's, like,
2: <laughs> it's like they yeah mm-hmm.
0: can change, you know.
2: Yeah, and then. And, in- well, well, if you don't mind me getting into this, because I've i have going over your history, it's it's kind of an it's unusual. Cause yeah, it I, gets I, kind it, of funny. It there gets for a little a convoluted here because you've got you guys, the 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 uh, debut album lineup splits up in '91, and, <laughs> and this was um right after doing the was it the MP, MTV Unplugged was right before that?
0: Um, pretty pretty yeah yeah pretty close to the breakup I think yeah.
2: Okay, so that. That lineup splits up, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and take it as a, you know, a, the pressure. Okay, of, you, can say, you
0: well, can say anything. You can say anything.
1: We, we were kind of talking was, about this before, because I remember I worked on radio when uh, the tour was going on with, uh, it was supposed to be uh, Rat, Union, and Vixen. And mm-hmm. at that time, you know, I remember that Tangerine, I think, was already out at that time. You know, hmm. but nobody really talked about, you know, what was really going on in Vixen, you know. But then when the show came to town in, in central Wisconsin, it ended up being Rat and Union, but Vixen wasn't there. And oh. uh, they said, you know, at the time, they said, well, Vixen has just broken up. You know, it, it was like just happened. You know, there was so a was lot that of,
0: like 98.
1: That would have been around. Yeah. Late 90s. Yeah, I'd say late 90s for sure.
0: Okay, so it definitely wasn't the '91
1: breakup that we had. No, no, right? no. That's no, that's the, that's where I'm confused well, because if if Tangerine was the album that came out without you, you know, do you guys did they come out with an album without you? Then you sue them, and then you guys get back together after that? I mean, is that how that works?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, because I mean, because clearly, I mean,
1: obviously, clearly, Vixen is your band. I mean, you formed it. Out of all the original members, you're the only one that was on that original album. You know, and you get a bunch of other, you know, musicians. I don't want to say replacements because everybody becomes a part of the band. But, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, then, you know, that's where I was confused, you know, where this other album comes out without you on it. But then you guys are back together, but then you're split up again. I mean, is that... That's... It's confusing. (laughs) Okay, let me see if I can make some... (laughs) (laughs) Please connect these dots.
2: It's (laughs)
0: tricky. Okay. Um, around 1997, I got a call from, um, I think it was Roxy at first and, you know, we had been broken up for a long time by this time from Mm -hmm. 91 to 97 and she had been talking to Janet and they were saying, Hey, you know, let's see if we can go do a tour, you know, let's get back together and do a tour. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm open to it. And we were, we were having talks and going with it. And um, I don't think Cher was interested at that time. Mm-hmm. But the three of us, Roxy Janet and I, were, were, you know, talking about doing it. And I remember this one conversation I was having with Roxy. And I said, well, we better, you know, call one of our keyboard players from years ago or, or you know, talk to somebody about playing keyboards. And And she said to me over the phone, she said, no, we're not going to have keyboards on this tour. We're going to have another female guitar player. And I said, well, then that's not a reunion. I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going. So they didn't like that answer, and they went anyway. And then nobody called me. They continued like a year later, and uh, Janet and Roxy started working on tangerine with this other guitar player gina Mm -hmm. and you know they will tell the story that they asked me to be part of that record it's like no i was asked to be part of a reunion tour the year before right that wasn't
1: really a reunion
0: no that you guys already behind my back were trying to have this other guitar player in there and um not use keyboards, and I'm like, "Well, we have a lot of songs that the keyboards yeah. you know like crying, and you know they're important it's why like, s- I don't, I'm not right, yeah. why,
2: why so dead set against keyboards,
0: because they wanted to have another guitar player." <laughs>
1: Well, you know, here I, you know, and I can play the devil's advocate here. You know, I'm not a big fan of keyboards in hard rock and heavy metal music. mm -hmm. On the other hand, you know, I do see your point absolutely because the keyboard was very instrumental in what you guys had done with songs like "Crying" and and you know, to not have that, I, I would think the fans would be disappointed because yeah, you know, it'd be maybe a more rocked out version of the song, but it's if you're talking about a reunion tour. You wanna, exactly. You, you and wanna, it was like, well, this is yeah, totally different. This isn't a reunion
0: tour, so this isn't what we started out talking about. So, no, I'm not interested. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that seems kind of like diluted, I guess. hmm.
1: So then they, at that so, point, they decided just to carry on without you.
0: hmm. And then about a year later, I believe it was 98, uh, you know, was around the time Tangerine, and I heard about it from a friend. That had heard it on the internet, and the internet was like new back then. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't have a computer, but somebody had heard something that there was going to be a new Vixen record, and I'm like, what?
3: Huh. And
0: sure enough, I found, you know, researched it, and found out that they were doing making this record, and that's when I was like, well, um, they don't really have the right to do that, so that's when I sued them.
1: Right, and it solves I me. Mean. You, know, you had the rights to, yeah.
0: They they did actually release Tangerine, obviously, right. um, but they got sued over it, and I, I won, and after I won the lawsuit, I was working with this manager, and he said, well, okay, so you won the lawsuit now. Do you want to make lemonade out of lemons? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, would you ever consider, I mean, this was like probably another a year had gone by or something, mm-hmm. you know. So some time had gone by after the lawsuit, and he said, "Would you consider working with them again?" And I said, mm, "Maybe."
1: <laughs> right. And he I went can to imagine. them and
0: asked if they would consider working with me after I had sued them. You know, and they said, mm, "Maybe." Wow. So we all got together <laughs> um, in Detroit, the manager's hometown, and that's when we started talking about you know, going out and doing a tour and by that time it was was the tour for two thousand one. Okay. With Vince Neal and Rat and Slaughter Slaughter. And so we all agreed to do it. Except Cher. Again she was doing something on her own with her um bubble, her band bubble. Mm-hmm. Right. So she was not interested. So Roxy Janet and I and a different bass player, mm-hmm. Pat, went out on that tour in two thousand one. Okay. So I know it's kinda of confusing. <laughs> I'm just, to just trying to keep trying to
2: keep up. And then and that was that was called the Voices of Metal Tour, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly.
0: Okay. Right. But unfortunately it was a really hard, rough tour. A lot of travel with uh we were in a van and you know.
1: I suppose at this show. point, you know, you're thinking this is now two thousand you know, the whole climate of the music industry and the music of what po- what was popular and what is popular is two di- very different things now. <clears throat> you're talking about, you know, a time where you're on tour with Vince Neil and Slaughter and it's Vixen in a time where the radio and, and the, the record industry is dominated by bands that are considered like grunge bands and alternative bands where, you know, metal bands were kind of looked on as... You know, and I hate to say it because I'll never agree with it, but they were kind of looked at as has-beens at that time. Right.
2: Novelty. Right, Right,
1: or a novelty act, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I can imagine that's got to be pretty tough going from, you know, having a great hit single over the years, you know, touring in the tour buses, out there with Ozzy and Kiss, and all of a sudden now you're playing fairgrounds and stuff in, in, you know, little towns in central Wisconsin.
0: Right, right, right. It was different, definitely. And uh, we had to travel, you know halfway across the country to, you know, do be able to do these shows. So you're right, it was, you know, it was difficult, difficult times. And we couldn't hold it together, you know, it was falling apart.
2: So was it just a, the pressure of everything with the, the all the travel and everything? And then obviously, you know, it's amazing that you guys made up to do a tour to begin with. Right. After all, after all, after a <laughs> lawsuit, know. much less anything. So obviously, all that travel and being in each other's faces, I'm sure that just built up more and more pressure as it went on right
0: it did and a couple shows fell through you know so the the money was even less than we thought and this manager um that had talked everybody into doing this he was my manager um so i was kind of like well okay whatever whatever happens happens but he had (laughs) led the other girls to believe that Oh no! Way would we be in a van? We're going to have a motorhome or a bus or something nice, you know.
2: Oh, he sold it up.
0: He yeah. did, and he he truly believed that himself. But mm-hmm. then, when the shows, you know, didn't all come through and the money wasn't there, there was no way that we were going to be able to afford that. So, you know, it, we started out in a van. And he was like, "Well, this is going to change. We're going to, you know, move up to a motorhome or whatever." And we were never able to. Yeah. So they definitely were not happy, the other mm, girls. Right. Um, but because it was my manager, like oh. I said, I was kind of like, okay, It all well, fell
1: yeah. on you too then, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it did. And it was just falling apart and, you know, people were not happy and nobody was getting any sleep and... <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a rough time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, so at that point going
0: then, on, and, yeah.
1: do they just decide to up and leave?
0: Mm, no, I mean, they were like, You know, arguments and fights between, you know, a couple of the girls and the manager and um, just, just, uh, (laughs) it was not real fun. It was not, just not working.
1: It wasn't like touring with Kiss and Ozzy.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was not.
1: I mean, I I can't imagine how tough that's got to be, you know, to be... Uh, you know a, a big time selling band you know you're selling tons of albums your your videos playing all over the place everybody knows who Vixen is and then at that point you know then all of a sudden you know and it stinks because the music climate and maybe you know it comes back to the fact that you know America is so flaky sometimes with you know what's yeah. popular what's not you know and things come and things go you know it's got to be kind of heartbreaking to get out there and know that, you know, look at the crowds you played in front yeah. of with Ozzy and Kiss and Deep Purple, and then you're out there in the van again, you know, and when you started right. out, you know, it's like, it's almost like full circle where you started out in the van, you to got to somewhere, exactly. and then you're back to exactly. the van again. I mean, it's got to um, be kind of yeah. heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, you 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 got it, exactly. And, you know, comparing to what we were going through in 2001 in the van, I mean, we were in the van with our luggage and guitars, and we were like, sardines packed in there right
3: yeah, yeah.
0: and you know and the last time we had gone out together as a band and toured we had a big beautiful bus we had people carrying our luggage yeah. ca- you know carrying our guitars and oh can I get this for you we had you know our own rooms and mm-hmm. now all that was changed you know like sharing rooms and three to a seat in the van with guitars right behind your head and yes, you know just <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's a lot different a lot different
1: Now, we know you love the Decibel Geek Podcast, but right now I'd like to take a moment to turn you on to our friend's show, um, the PWAShow.com, talking about Corey H. and D. Brew. Now, these guys cover a wide array of subjects, and you never know what you're going to hear these guys talking about, but I can tell you this, a guarantee that it's always going to be funny and it's always going to be entertaining.
2: That's true. Uh, if you want to hear the, all the new talk about Occupy Nashville, adult onesies, and a, a whole bunch of crank calls to Walmart employees... This is the show for you. Uh, Corey is kind of a hippie-ish guy who likes to go to Whole Foods and pay twice as much for groceries as everyone else. And D. Brew is more of a laid-back conservative dude. I think he works for the police, so hopefully he's not going to find my stash. But uh, check Uh out the PWA show at thepwashow.com.
1: broadcasting from the rock and metal mecca nashville tennessee what in the hell this is the decibel geek podcast
2: so then but then the other girls end up leaving the tour and then uh jenna lynn and cat come in and finish the tour is that correct
0: yes they did and i'm um, you know to this day it's to me it's, it's
1: like a miracle happened (laughs) I mean yeah I was curious about that I mean how did that how does that work when when half the band leaves in the middle of a tour I mean how and you got to do it quickly right I mean how do you quickly scoop up these new musicians and like you said it's lucky that you ended up with such great ones that stick with you through the years but how originally did you find them so quickly
0: (laughs) Um, well our keyboard player on the tour Um, He was also our road manager, stage manager, driver, everything, right? Mm -hmm. So when it was falling apart, and he's a good friend of mine, and so when it was falling apart, he he and I, we were talking, and we just said, well, you know, wow, it really sucks to just call it quits and go home. I wonder if there's any way possible to find replacements and finish out the tour. Mm -hmm. So he called a mutual friend of ours and actually i had played with this drummer um when the time when the vixen had broken up i played with a guy group and it was called population 361
3: Mm
0: -hmm. i don't you probably never heard of that Mm -hmm. but so he called this drummer who i had played with as well and said do you know any female singers and he goes yeah hold on a second and because he, he's he's also a lawyer, and so is Jenna. He calls Jenna on the other line while he puts Eden, our keyboard player, on hold, and says, "Hey Jenna, would you have any interest in uh, being the lead singer for Vixen?" And she's like, "Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. What are you talking about?" You know. <laughs> and then he comes back on the phone with our keyboard player and said, "I think I might have somebody for you."
3: Wow.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it was. That's a true story, how Jenna came to be in the band. And um, we also put, or Eden, our keyboard player, he put an ad out, um, musician service or something, and Lynn was living in Florida at the time. And it just so happens that she had sent, I I believe she had sent a package um, when the band first broke up to our management or something and said, hey, if you're looking for a bass player, you know, Mm -hmm. i'm a female bass player whatever so somehow she got wind that we were now looking for a female bass player she gets on the phone with eden and he says well we're holding auditions you know we have like a two-week window before we have to go back out so she flew from florida to california and she was awesome you know it was like oh my gosh this is really happening and um Cat was actually, let's see, I think we had gone through a couple of drummers before we came to Kat, and we were getting down to the wire. Um, there was a good friend of mine in L.A. that was going to do it, and she, up to, almost to the last minute, she rehearsed with us, learned the songs, and all of a sudden, it was like if she was going to go out on the tour, she was going to lose her very good day job, and yeah. so she couldn't go. And we're uh. like, oh! Now what are we gonna do? <laughs> you know? And um Lynn happened to know some other female players who, you know, knew somebody who knew somebody who knew Kat. And they're like, Okay, we sent her down. She you know, somebody got her a tape one afternoon and she learned a handful of our songs, came down and, you know, rehearsed with us and we we're like, oh, She's great. I think this might work <laughs> So, like two days later, we had to be back out there for the next show. Two or three days later, or something, we only had a couple rehearsals with Cat.
1: That's amazing.
0: And uh, it, yeah,
1: how to form and a band we, in two weeks? Yeah, no, <laughs> I know, it's
0: crazy. And, and then we all get along so great. It's like amazing, you know.
2: And did you did you get any resentment from the other girls that had just taken off at the time? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They gave you a hard time too. <laughs> oh really? You
1: know, at that point, it's like, hey, you know, you walked. Yeah. You they, know, they you layoff. chose to leave. These other girls don't have a problem riding in the van with me. You know, we're we're making it happen no matter what. You know, and and they should know that because Vixen was your baby from day one. You know mm-hmm. that you weren't going to let it go. You know, so they chose to walk away. You know, you didn't, and here you've got some some other players that are coming in that want to be there. You know that's got to be kind of refreshing once you once you go back out on the tour after that two week break. You come out with one band, you come back in with a whole new one, and everybody's appreciative to be there. I mean, how how much better was the vibe then after that?
0: It it, it was a lot better <laughs> because you know they didn't have all the expectations, um, you know, because they hadn't been on the tour the tours ones. in the eighties in the big beautiful bus and the right you know all all that so they were were very eager to you know be team players and go out and try it and do it
2: okay so it was
0: funny i mean the looks of the uh, the guys we were touring with they're like what is going on (laughs) you know because there were there were other breaks in the tour where we'd go home for a weekend or four days five days or something and come back and get back on the tour you know
2: Uh
1: like well you guys look different yeah
2: did I
0: drop yes, too? Did <laughs> I drop
1: exactly. too much acid over the break? But they all gave us a lot of <laughs> that a um, good support. That yeah. was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! All right. Well, so we we go from, and this is that's the lineup that you're still currently working with, but yes. in the middle that's of all cool. in the middle of all that, then VH1 calls you up <laughs> and shows up <laughs> and says, "Hey, let's get these girls that hate each other's guts, and put them back together again." I know. Again. <laughs> so, I know.
0: I mean, what is the deal? Yeah.
2: So yeah, Quake. it's like the Godfather thing. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah you know uh, yeah i don't know if you saw it or oh, if you
2: I just did. heard about it i i i love it. it was my favorite one of those bands reunited oh, shows really oh yeah yeah cuz i always wondered i always you know i was more on the peripheral of rock music at the time I was in college and i was doing lots of things i shouldn't have done and um so so i sort of lost touch of being really in depth with what was going on in rock music so when i saw it i was like holy crap i was like vixen i was like i totally remember this and i and <laughs> so i had wondered what had happened to, to the band and uh and boy the uh when the the meeting between the four of you the first time you guys got uh, yeah. you could i mean you could cut the the, the tension in the air in my house oh, i know so i mean <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean a lot of times
1: you see these reality shows and a lot of it is is perpetuated i mean that was pretty real huh oh yeah
0: <laughs> it was i mean there were some spots where where they edited it to look worse than it was like when janet and i were in the room and they made it kind of look really when we were alone in the room together. Mm-hmm. And they chose to make it more dramatic, sure. yeah. you know, which they're going to do because it's TV. Right. license. what really happened was that, you know, when we first, Janet and I first were the only two in the room and, you know, we hugged and we talked a little bit and, you know, we were being filmed the whole time. But then after about 15, 20 minutes, we ran out of stuff to say. <laughs> and that's what they chose to show, you know. <laughs> Looking like we're like, mm, Awkward hmm Awkward silences. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awkward silence, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. I could yeah. oh I I watched it and I was just like and the, that meeting part that I was watching, I was like this this That is, was real. Yeah, I was like That was real when I,
0: everybody was like, you know, kinda of yelling back and forth or not yelling, but you know, like Mm. Mm-hmm telling their side of the story, you know. Well, and I, and that I, was real.
2: And it, and I was thinking um initially this is not going to lead to a performance. I was I was sure oh. of it. Cuz I was just like they, they obviously hate each other. <laughs> so I was just like this isn't going to work out. But it it was it was fascinating to watch and you guys actually put on a good performance, but like how was it um how did it how did the other girls react when you went to them and said, "Hey, the original band's going to do this TV thing." I mean, how did they feel about that?
0: Oh, they they were fine with it because i said it's a one-time only and that's what it was
1: you went into it knowing that
0: yes and i don't think anybody any of the four you know janet share or myself would have done it if they would have said okay you have to play together for the next year you know yeah they you know the way they approached it, it's a one-time thing so it's like hey why not
3: <laughs> yeah
2: it's good exposure anyway right
0: right yeah, yeah. Well, you and know so in- the current bandmates they were cool with it okay. they're
1: fine you know we're big kiss fans we're always you know talking about different things in kiss and we always wonder you know how bad must that have been for like bruce Kulick and eric singer <laughs> when all of a sudden peter chris and ace fraley show back up <laughs> right you know and they're right. like oh well we're out on our asses now
2: we're just gonna do this one unplugged show guys i promise it's yeah, not uh-huh. gonna lead to anything you know, and in the back of the
1: mind of the other band members, you almost got to wonder if they thought, oh, man, that, well, that's that. You know, they're putting the dang VH1, putting the band back together. We're all out on our asses now. But that's cool that they knew that you were confident enough in them and their abilities and the good time that you were having working with them that they had nothing to worry about.
2: Okay, and, and, and you've put out material with this this new lineup here. And um, where's what's the best place to go to, to hear the new material that you guys have put out?
0: Um, it should be on our website, vixenrock.com.
2: vixenrock.com. Okay, and I, it, I I have to ask this, because this has been kind of a, this has been uh, brought up over the last week or two that I've noticed, um, as you remember, John Parks from Legendary Rock Interviews interviewed you not long <laughs> ago. And you know what I'm going to ask you about? the um, There's a, Cher Peterson is all, has been pushing to try to reunite with you again with the other girls, and there was a comment put on John's, P- comment saying under your interview signed by supposedly all three of them saying we'd love we think the time is right we'd love to hear back from you do you have any response to that
0: well i already responded oh, you did. because um you know i've been i've been asked that question many times in the past few years I'm many sure. times. Imagine, yeah. and my response was only Maybe for a short time, like a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, because I was working with that same manager <laughs> at that time that had put us back together in 2001, mm-hmm. and he wanted to do it again. And we we started to talk a little bit about it a couple years ago. You know, I talked to Janet and Roxy, and, and they again didn't want to work with this manager um, because they had such a bad taste in their mouths from the. This guy's gonna tour. put
1: us back in the van. right right
0: and um we just couldn't come to any kind of agreement and and the thing is my the manager he had also talked to jenna lynn and cat a couple years ago and said look this could be beneficial to you Mm -hmm. you know if you go along with it or whatever um but it just it just didn't work out it was all back to the same stuff and it was just like you know what no i'm not going there and um so I've been approached a few different times in in the years since then, and most recently by my Janet, just, mm-hmm. you know, like a month ago or so. And I already gave my response, and I said, well, thanks for reaching out to me, but I'm too busy with my current bandmates to consider doing a reunion. And um, apparently... They didn't like that answer. (laughs) I suppose not. (laughs) That's how they, you know, Cher got this other page started or whatever to do. Yeah,
2: I was kind of surprised to see it because I thought, you know, after the VH1 thing and, you know, like, because I even watched some of that earlier today and even on that, Cher herself was saying, I look at this as a good send-off to this lineup of the band and it's like, I can kind of see your point of view of where it's like, well, you know, I've kind of put that to bed now and I want to do it this way, which, you know, you're totally entitled to that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, well, I, I can I can kind of see both sides of things. I mean, if you look at the difference between, let's say, the you know, now compared to 2000, mm-hmm. you know, if you're trying to go out on tour with the original members in 2000, it's really not going to get the response that it would get today. You know, today uh-huh. you're looking at, you know, if you reunite with the original girls that, you know, with the, the rest of the ones that were there at the, at, towards the beginning, I guess. First album. Yeah, first album. We'll yeah. say first album. You know, it's considered more of a nostalgia thing nowadays where these uh-huh. bands from back then can reunite and it becomes a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to make the decision. Now, do you want to be a nostalgia act? Or do you want to carry on and be creative in your own vein of music doing what you want to do with the band that you feel more most comfortable with? And you know, personally to me, you know, and I know a lot of Vixen fans probably won't like this, but I say kudos to you for sticking to your guns and doing what you feel is right because you formed the band Vixen. You know, who knows? You guys you guys could go back out on tour tomorrow and it could be the same thing again. It could be Vixen breakup number eighteen. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know?
2: <laughs> why I bother?
1: Know. You know, why bother with it? If you're happy with what you're doing and you're happy with the band you've got and you're comfortable with it, I say stick with it and keep doing what well, you're doing. Thank
0: you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you saying
1: that. I mean, I'm probably the only one, but <laughs> <laughs> Well Well I- and I just don't think
0: it would do you know, our current lineup any good? If I went back and did the reunion with the other girls, because then, then maybe the fans would say, "Oh, well, you know." Then it's always got to be the old lineup.
1: Right. Yeah. It gets confusing. Don't, don't don't yeah. don't Bruce Kulick those guys. You know,
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't do
1: it. <laughs> I mean, if they <laughs> they came in and helped you out in a time where you know you really needed a strong band, you know, and it sounds to me like you've got one now. You know, yes, and I and do. maybe technically it's not the classic lineup that everybody expects, but hey, you know what? Go out there, produce this new album, and blow everything you've done before away. You know, come <laughs> up with the best album you can, and then who can question it?
0: Right? I love that. Yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> right on. Yes, exactly.
1: Gosh darn it! You didn't know you,
2: you didn't know you were going to get an Aaron Camaro pep talk, did you? That's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm happy. i I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Good deal. Exactly. Yeah.